So it'd be good to talk about perhaps three common misconceptions in relation to GDPR. Um, and obviously here with Rosemary to talk about these points. Rosemary, what do you think is probably the first misconception uh, most relevant to GDPR today? Well, I'd like to start with a really big one, which is that this is a negative piece of legislation. And I, you know, I, I think that most of us who actually work in the area would look at it in its final form and say, no, you know, it was really time we needed to update the way that we look at regulating this area. It's really important walking forward into a digital, a more digital world, a digital economy that we can engender trust. And there are lots of good practices in in here that will benefit business as well as benefiting individuals. And just the most basic one, it, it will give a real impetus to businesses to do that spring clean of the data, which is lurking around. Because at the moment, there's no real hard legal imperative to get rid of data that is old or archived or legacy. Um, there's no real hard imperative to, to completely comply with retention schedules. No real hard imperative to put in place pseudonymization. No real hard imperative to start off your processes saying, look, I'm going to build this process from the word go in a way that maximizes compliance, minimizes the data, and in doing so minimizes risk. So that very, um, you know, looking at data in a new way and saying, look, now we are going to do this to these standards going forward, I think is an enormous positive. And yes, there will be costs associated with it, but they're costs that will benefit most of them for business. You know, just think of cybersecurity, the importance of security to our businesses, to our economy, really positive things about it. And I think this is also being seen by chief security officers, chief information security officers, as well as chief risk officers, um, and also that it's a, a corporate and social responsibility to better protect personal data. Um, initially, we all do realise that the, perhaps the cost of personal data processing will increase, but over time, once it's embedded within the organisation and these processes are um, are used effectively, we can actually reduce the cost of, of processing and get rid of, <clears throat> again, um, old data, um, um, toxic data that we call it when, when data becomes, again, high risk to the organisation. We actually have now the mechanisms to uh, use a, a regulation to, again, further improve and uh, focus on, again, the, the reduction in cost in terms of data processing. Um, perhaps the second misconception uh, that we can see may be, um, again, the responsibility. Whose responsibility is it within the organisation? And many um, misconceptions are, well, it's somebody else's responsibility. It's not the uh, the role of the security officer or the risk officer or the data protection officer. It's just somebody else's problem. How do you think we perhaps address that misconception? I think that's a really good point. You would be amazed at how many people um, say when you talk to them, they say, well, I'm the data controller. And of course, they're not the data controller. The business, the, in, the the entity is the data controller. And the person who's saying I'm the data controller is actually maybe their privacy officer or the person with some internal responsibility. So I think it's really important that businesses take on board 
this is a significant corporate responsibility that needs to be owned by the board. And the regulation, you know, puts that in place. It says, yes, you have to have a data protection officer in some circumstances. They have to be able to have the ear of the board when it's needed. It's not going to be possible going forward for organisations to say at a senior level, well, we, we weren't aware this was a, a, a low-down operational thing which never came to our attention. Actually, if it's an important issue, if it's a risk issue, it will have to make its way up to the board. And that level of, that's really important, that ownership of compliance. And I think sometimes people think, oh, I, you know, I'll get in some lawyers to do it, or I'll get in a project manager, or I'll get in a consultant. People can help, people can support, people can bring in expertise and, and work with your team, but you can't outsource your responsibility. And it's organisations going forward that has to take real ownership. And I think that perhaps the third misconception is the how applicable GDPR is to um, public sector organisations, organisations that focus on the public sector, um, and of course how, how they are going to be treated differently to those organisations in the private sector. So what are your thoughts around that misconception? Again, is there are, are there specific changes? Um, how, again, public sector organisations handle for instance, one example is data breach notification. We've seen, a, again, a, a long list of um, organisations in the public sector um, by, by default informing the authorities of a data breach. How is that going to be seen? Uh, how is that going to change going forward um, with um, some of these new articles coming in and requiring mandatory data breach notification for all organisations? That, again, is a really interesting question. So the first thing I would say, there are differences for the public sector. So policing and criminal justice are covered specifically, those competent authorities for those purposes, by a different piece of law, by a directive which will be implemented by UK law. Having said that, if you look at the two, like on one on top of the other, actually the directive and the regulation are very similar the regulation is, however, more detailed and it includes things that don't apply in the directive, like the European Board and so on. Um, so there are some differences there. There are some differences in terms of um, grounds for processing and some differences in terms of fines. So fines will be set by member state. But crucially, I think your point is absolutely right, that the core obligations of accountability, notice and so on, apply equally to public and private sector. And it will be really interesting, I think, to see how that changes our perception of something. So, for example, the data breach issue uh, at the moment, public sector has to report data breaches. As a result, we do see you know, fines against NHS bodies, against local authorities. Now, it's easy to look at some of those and say, oh, well, you know, we in the private sector, you know, our, our, our security must be far better than theirs. Well, we in the private sector haven't actually had an obligation to report data breaches. So when we actually begin to see the patterns emerging of notification and where the breaches are happening and what kind they are and how serious and what's caused them, I think we'll have a far better sense of where the comparabilities are between public and private sector and perhaps a more balanced sense of what needs to be addressed in the private sector 
Um, and that would be a really interesting one to watch out for. Great. Thank you very much, Rosemary Jay, Senior Consultant Attorney at Hunting & Williams.